Hi guys, it's me, Lindsay Pinchuk, host and founder of Dear Found Her. And before we get into today's episode, I have some exciting news. You've asked and I'm answering. We're taking Dear Found Her live for some much anticipated networking events starting this fall. We'll be kicking things off where I live in Chicagoland with the goal to add more cities to our lineup in 2024. Our events will be free. You just have to be a female founder, but you'll have to RSVP. So make sure you get on our list so that you are the first to know when registration goes live. Space is limited. The link's in the show notes. I can't wait to meet you. Dear Founder, as you know, there's no blueprint for entrepreneurship. You wear so many hats, you burn the midnight oil, you pour your heart and soul into everything that you do. But without a doubt, the journey is worth every single second that you put into it. I'm Lindsay Pinchuk, host of the Dear Founder podcast. I say this because I've lived it for over a decade. I started my first company with $500 in my pocket and a baby in my belly. I grew it and I sold it all. This podcast is my weekly letter to you. We'll talk all things starting, growing, nurturing, and in some cases, even selling a business. Together with some of my closest contacts, I'm here to help you find your own success, whatever that means to you. The ride as a founder is the ride of your life. So come on in and join me for another episode that will get you one step closer to reaching your own founder goals. Welcome back to another episode of Dear Found Her. Today's guest, Julie Smolanski, became the youngest female CEO of a publicly held firm when she took over Lifeway Foods at the age of 27 in 2002 after her father's sudden passing. I've been working with Julie's company for 14 years, but this podcast was the first time we actually met face to face. And now I can't wait to introduce her to you. But before we get into today's episode, I wanted to stop on in and say hi, introduce myself. I'm your host, Lindsay Pinchuk, and I've been building brands for nearly 25 years. With just a $500 investment, I founded, built, and sold my own company, a seven-figure business that reached 3 million people per month, mainly through organic marketing strategies. After my exit, I started all over again, building a community to support female founders to start and grow and scale and maybe even sell their own brands. And I'm following the exact same steps I did the first time. Just now, I'm doing it a little bit faster. This podcast is my weekly letter to you to inspire you to find success through your own entrepreneurial endeavors. So if there's anything that you ever want to hear about or anything that you want me to share or cover to help you through your own journey, I invite you to reach out. And if you're inspired by today's episode, I invite you to share it. Text it to a friend or share it in your stories. You can tag me at Lindsay Pinchuk or at Dear Founder. I will absolutely come and say hi. And as always, if you like what you're hearing, I would love it and be absolutely honored if you left a rating or review wherever it is that you podcast, because that is how other entrepreneurs and other listeners discover our show and the incredible stories and women that we share here each and every week. All you have to do is go to the link in the show notes, www.ratethispodcast.com forward slash dear found her, and you can leave a rating or review anywhere that it is that you podcast. And all it takes is about 30 seconds. So let's meet today's guest. Julie Smolanski became the youngest female CEO of a publicly held firm when she took over Lifeway Foods at the age of 27 in 2002 after her father suddenly passed away. And we're going to talk about that today. 
Julie is not the founder of Lifeway, but it was really important for me to have her on to share this story and to share her story of coming into the company and growing the company. She has been around the business from day one. You'll hear Julie share how her family immigrated from Kiev and how her father started this now multi-million dollar company in their basement. I couldn't have imagined a more entrepreneurial story if I tried. Since Julie took over as CEO, she's continued the company's growth trajectory with creative product development and marketing to bring Kiefer and now the company's flagship product and now farmer's cheese, which is like a blended cottage cheese into the U.S. mainstream. Under Julie's leadership, Lifeway's annual revenues have grown from $12 million to more than $140 million in 2022, and her distribution has expanded beyond the United States to Mexico, Ireland, France, Central and South America, and the Caribbean. And what I love about this story and what you'll hear us talk about today is how Julie grew this brand through partnerships. She grew this brand through organic marketing and through partnerships. And anyone who knows me knows this is a story I love to share. So come on in and meet the one, the only, Julie Smolanski. Welcome back to another episode of Dear Founder. I am so excited about today's guest because as I just shared with her, I've been following her for years and years and years. And her company was one of Bump Club's very first supporters. It's really astounding that Julie Smolanski and I have never met until today, although I do feel like I know her and I think that I can say that she feels the same. So Julie Smolanski, welcome to Dear Founder. Julie is the president, chairman, and CEO of Lifeway Foods. Julie, welcome to Dear Founder. Thank you so much for having me, Lindsay. I am so excited about this conversation. I have really been wanting to talk to you for years. I don't know how we have not made this happen until now, but I'm so glad that we are. You have an incredible story and I would love for you to start us off by sharing it. Sure. Well, thank you so much for having me. It's great. I can't believe we haven't come face to face either because I have loved working with you for as long as I can remember. Um, Well, so my parents and I were refugees from the former Soviet Union, um, Ukraine. uh, I was born in Kiev. And uh, when I was one, my dad basically said, we are getting out of here. (laughs) And he um, so, so we left. We were in exile for three months in Rome. Then we landed in Chicago. Um, in 1976 with $116 in our pocket. Um, my mom learned English watching General Hospital. Um, and my dad uh, became an engineer. He was a mechanical engineer in Kiev. And uh, for a couple of years, we kind of just lived like many immigrants do in, in, our, in our country. And my mom kind of really quickly figured out that while there's a lot of food in America, it's very different than her Slavic food. So she opened up the first uh, like European, Ukrainian, Russian deli in Rogers Park that sort of started our entry into the food industry. And then um, a couple of years later, in 1985, they were at a trade show buying um, you know food for the store and she became a distributor and importer. And my dad bought a couple bottles of kefir in uh, in Germany, and he 
drank one bottle right outside of this store and said, gosh, America has everything, but it doesn't have kefir. My mom said, well, you're an engineer. Why don't you build a plant, start making the product and I'll sell it through my distribution system and at the store of people, you know, departing the Soviet Union and mass um, in mass numbers um, all the way through the 90s. And so it was a really natural market for Lifeway and Kefir. And that's kind of my dad launched Lifeway in 1986 out of our basement in Skokie from our little townhouse. I can vividly remember the lab that he set up and tasting all of the kefir. And six months later, with like with no business plan, no logo, nothing, he launched Lifeway in 86. And two years later, um, due to the massive success we were having right away, um, somebody suggested that he go public. He went to the Skokie Public Library to learn what that means. He had no idea what it meant to be public. Anyways, he wrote his own business plan and then went public in 88. He was the first Soviet immigrant to go public before Sergey Green of Google or any other company. So really paved a pathway for immigrants from our region. And um and, you know, continued to build the business. And I watched both my parents, both of them build um, businesses and be super entrepreneurial. Um, and then, you know, I graduated from college. I intended to be a psychologist. I was in grad school already working in the field and serendipitously a different story. One day, another day, I'll tell you about it, but um, found myself in my dad's office and fell in love with what he was talking about. Suddenly, like it clicked for me, even though I'd grown up and helped him, I'd never really wanted to be in the business. And on one afternoon, you know, in the middle of my first year of grad school, I was like, oh my God, I want to switch paths and come and work for you, for him. And, um, and so I did, didn't go back for the second year and worked with my dad side by side for five years up until he had a sudden heart attack in 2002. And then I became the president and CEO at the age of 27, um, under super incredibly tragic, um, traumatic circumstances and the rest is history. Then the rest of it, you know, I've been doing this now for 21 years and we'll see what the future holds. So not if you don't want to talk about this, that's okay. But what was that like to all of a sudden take over this business? You know, you didn't even know that you wanted to be in the business. And then, you know, yes, you worked with your dad for five years, but all of a sudden to work with someone and then take it over yeah. is a really big shift. Right. Yeah. I mean, I was his right hand person. He had really um, supported me there and wanted to push me as much forward. He included me at like every board meeting. He had me present to the board at every meeting of shareholders. He had me presenting to, you know, the shareholders. Um, He had me media trained. He invested and, you know, sent me to media training in New York for a month. Um, He really inspired me to, um, or kind of, put in front of me female, strong female role models all the time and kept telling me, you know, one day you're going to be the CEO. This is what I want for you. Like, you know, I remember coming home from college and he said, oh, CNN uh, is doing a feature on Christy Hefner, uh, Hugh Hefner's daughter who took over um, Playboy. And one day you're going to be just like her. Um, So he always really 
kind of encouraged me, uh, pushed me forward, told me that I could do anything I want except be the president of the United States. And that was only because I wasn't born in the United States. Um, but he said, you can do anything you want. You have a life of freedom and just go, go, go. Don't stop. You know, you're smart. You're this. Or that. I mean, he was my greatest cheerleader. Um, so it was devastating for me. You know, he was at the height of his life. He was 55. He was the pillar of his community, the center of his community. Um, you know, wherever he went, there was a party. There was an entourage of you know, always people. Um, he was just full of life and passion and he was so smart and so, um, you know, such a risk taker and fearless and, you know, to, to lose somebody like that and him for me, um, you know, I, I know that he was like, he would gleam when he would be with me when he was look would look at me I could see it so you know I it was devastating that's all I could say and even today it's still so hard to believe that he's gone um but and it was it was challenging I mean my uh that night his best friend said oh there's no way a 20 27 year old girl could run this company that's it it's over sell your stock uh company's done. And I just thought, you know, failure is not an option. And my parents had risked so much and they came and built their life and started their businesses with significantly greater challenges and, um, you know, strikes against them than I was starting. You know, he was an immigrant, strong Russian accent. I was educated in the United States. I was already building a network. I, you know, had different challenges, but, you know, already just said, I'm going to just put my head down and work. And no matter what came my way every single day, I just took every decision and followed my gut intuitively just every single day. Like, how do you need eat an elephant? One bite at a time. Uh, that was advice that somebody gave me because it was overwhelming, legal, financial, you know, the business, the team, my own personal, like, relationship with him. Like it was insane. I, I don't, I don't, it, it was crisis for sure. You just said something that I was going to ask about and you used the, the words gut intuition. And I was going to say that your dad obviously saw that you were the future of the brand. I mean, he obviously had that gut intuition that one day you were going to take over. And obviously it wasn't by the circumstances that anyone thought it was going to be under. But how has that gut intuition and that notion of gut intuition played into your role as the now CEO? Yeah, I mean, it is exactly, I have followed my gut every single day and every single hour at every single point. I mean, I use data, obviously, but that's how I come to my gut decisions. I look at data. I am a huge observer and studier, uh, student of um, culture, literally, no pun intended, but culture in, um, in our society. And I, and I am, have always been fascinated with demographics and how different demographics contribute to different choices. Um, you know, I wasn't super far off. I studied in grad school and in, in, um, you know, in, in school and psychology, um, how people make decisions. And it was around dieting behavior. So it wasn't fully 
you know, it wasn't fully in, in the clinical space of psychology, but, you know, how people come to decisions, how do you move the needle? Um, these were all kind of things that came really intuitively for me. And I was super passionate about foods and nutrition and wellness. Anyways, I was an athlete. I figure skated for 15 years. I played varsity tennis. Um, I became a marathoner. Um, so, you know, nutrition, it, it just, it was so close to what I was already working on and following and studying. So, you know, I guess following your passion is also part of that intuition um, because you just will know, you'll know about it. If, if you're some, if you're passionate about something, you're going to be really good at it. Um, So that's how it kind of worked for me. But yeah, I mean, studying data, studying culture, studying the marketplace, um, listening to, you know, your team, uh, uh, listening to the signs, uh, seeing what bubbles up, seeing what resonates with people, being able to pivot. You know, sometimes your gut brings you to one thing, but that's only a step to the next other thing. Uh, it's like, you don't know until, you know, hindsight until time to know, but I, I would say there's never been mistakes. Like there's all only just learning opportunities. So, Before we get into the extreme growth of the brand, which obviously we're going to talk about, I do want to give you an opportunity to share with our community, what is Kiefer? Because there are probably a lot of people listening who are like, I don't even know what this is because it isn't, you know, it isn't in the net. It's more mainstream than it was definitely when you and I started working together. But there are definitely still people who might not know what it is and the health benefits. And I want to give you the opportunity to share that because I think it's so important for people to understand what we're talking about. Yes. Well, this is Kiefer and it's probably flipped backwards, but you kind of get the sense this bottle. Um, so Kiefer is a 2000 year old super healing superfood that is uh, originally from the Caucasus Mountains, a region by the Soviet Union, former Soviet Union, Russia, Ukraine, um, kind of Middle East. And the people who consumed kefir, it's a fermented dairy. Uh, so it has to be dairy based uh, from a lactating mammal. And I'm getting a little bit too technical, but that's okay. We're going to go deeper. So, um, it's, and it's fermented with live bacteria. And this bacteria is good bacteria. It's the microflora, things that are positive con- contributions to your microflora, your gut flora. And um, originally it became a method of preserving dairy um, or other foods like in um, in Asia they do kimchi which is another version of a, like a fermented food and they're fermenting various vegetables so it became a preservation um, method a very artisan artful preservation method that was passed down from grandmother to grandmother to grandmother to grandmother generation to generation. And it was really the women that held this recipe together and carried it forward. Um, And so this bacteria is some of the oldest bacteria in our world. And I just think about, you know, just the spiritual element of how, like when you consume kefir, it's like you're consuming generations ancient generations of knowledge, of experience, of like wisdom. I mean, it's, it's really, you know, that to me, how, how important it is to me and how I feel about it. Um, 
And so in, in this region where the people consumed kefir, they lived past 100 years of age and they attributed their consumption of kefir um, to their longevity. Uh, and now scientists have backed up what our ancestors, what my ancestors knew intuitively in their, in their gut, that kefir brings a sense of well-being. They said that they experienced a sense of well-being, a sense of calmness, um, just a good feeling from kefir. Kefir literally in Turkish means kaif, means good feeling. Um, so it's, it's interesting, you know, obviously the words and what they mean. And um, about a, a hundred years ago, Dr. Eli Mechnikov did the first science research studies around fermented dairy kefir and its um, contribution to our health. And he found the kefir indeed uh, has benefits to health and can, you know, work in a number of ailments and he won a Nobel prize for his research around, around kefir. And so that, that, um, since those hundred years, we have contri contributed so much, um, to science and research. And even just in the last three years, since COVID happened, the amount of science that has been done around probiotics and kefir and fermented foods in the gut and bacteria, it's more science in the last three years than I would say even in the entirety of a hundred years, um, because every scientist has been working on, you know, immunity, COVID, you know, how all the ways that we can help. And so it's exponentially building. The science is building to what our ancestors knew intuitively, what our grandmothers knew. Um, and I think it's just fascinating that we kind of always go back to what our ancestors ate, the simple, real food. Um, and so, yeah, so it's really exciting. And, and the research around immunity, around mental health benefits, around skin benefits, you know, Margot Robbie drank kefir on set, her nutritionist, uh, they, Barbie movie hired a nutritionist and they had Margot Robbie drinking kefir for skin health, not just Margot Robbie, the whole cast at Barbie. So, um, you know, there's now we are learning so much around gut health and the mind gut access, skin gut access immunity contributions, digestion contributions. So it's beyond exciting. So you have taken this company from $12 million to more than $140 million in 2022. And you've increased your distribution outside the United States as well to many countries. What were some of the gut intuitive decisions that you made to make this happen? That's a very big uh, uh, leap. Yes. <laughs> Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. A lot of hard work. A lot of uh, 5Ks sampling, of, you know, little little community runs and things like that. Well, like working with like your, your organization, Bump Club, you know, making, getting our product, getting Lifeway into the hands of as many people as we could was kind of number one, building awareness, you know, creating awareness, um, creating an incredible experience, making sure that the product tasted great, um, you know, that we had a high quality product. Uh, but we really focused on people who were very open minded to hearing and trying our product. So athletes, you know, I mentioned um, athletes are so consumed with, you know, what they're eating, what they're putting in their body, um, how they're fueling their body, how they're fueling their goals. Um, so I knew like athletes were an, an incredible immediate market. We started 
sponsoring, you know, every 5k, every 10k, every marathon. And we were there at the finish line. Uh, so, you know, because of its high protein, uh, we know, we know that athletes love our product. So they became natural cheerleaders, uh, new mothers, uh, you know, when you're, when you're pregnant, when you're expanding your, your family, um, that's the time when you're most open to making kind of menu diet changes, um, lifestyle changes. So, you know, you're looking for great foods for your family and things that will, you know, keep people healthy and well and easy to consume, convenient, um, not expensive, you know, affordable. Um, those are all things that were really important to us and ways that we kind of communicated our message and, and shared um, about the benefits of LifeWay. And yeah, you know, building building relationships and building community with as many leaders, with influencers, quote unquote. Um, you know, I read um, Max uh, Gladwell, um, uh, book, his book, The Tipping Point, very early on while my dad was still alive. Um, and I kind of came up with the blueprint for, you know, how we were going to influence our our country, our world and dieting behavior. So I think, you know, The Tipping Point is the original blueprint for communicating with influencers or reaching out or, you know, building relationships with influencers. So I think we definitely did that. Um yeah, and, and slow and steady, you know, every year, quarter after quarter, just kept building awareness, kept building relationships, kept looking at data and watching how consumers were shifting their eating behaviors, um, raising awareness on the benefits of gut health and probiotics. We were the first to write probiotics on our label, and we really educated the marketplace around probiotics, and we created the category. There, there was no keeper until... Lifeway started, um, you know, really investing in this space and it worked out because, you know, the world was shifting with us. Consumers were going from fast food and overly processed food into organic and natural food. Whole Foods started opening up stores. Wild Oats was a competitor that they eventually acquired um, and other natural food stores, co-ops and whatnot were becoming more and more part of mainstream. So we had this natural marketplace of the you know, Russian and Ukrainian immigrants who were now settling in the United States, in addition to the health food market. And then eventually natural and organic food became part of mass market. And that's how we just kind of all grew together. And where I would say we're really proud to be one of the pioneering natural organic food brands and um, have paved a path for so many other entrepreneurs who came after us. So, you know, we've been doing it for 36 plus years um, most businesses have failed at this point, but we, I feel like are just getting started. I feel like awareness has just finally hit, uh, to this really exciting place. And we dominate with 95% of the marketplace. We're in every grocery store across the country and we're expanding into other channels, which is really exciting. And like you said, other countries, and my goal is really to make life way to keep or what Tropicana is to orange juice or Hershey's is to chocolate, really build a global iconic brand that really heals people's bodies from the inside out. Hi guys, it's me, Lindsay. I'm not sure if you're aware, but over the last nine months, I haven't just helped big enterprise brands on their marketing efforts through my consulting firm. I've also helped over a dozen women, small business owners in launching their companies, building their brands, and to tweak what wasn't working. 
I've been building and growing brands for nearly 25 years, but I've forever used one method to build my own brands and that of my clients and students. My signature suite method utilizes social media, your website, emails, events, partnerships, and publicity to generate and execute cost-effective community-centric marketing strategies. If you're looking for that added layer of guidance, please reach out. There's a link in my show notes. Book a call with me and let's see how I can help you. I can't wait to meet you and learn about your business. Now back to the show. One of the things that you said that I think is so important and just in watching your journey myself for the last 13 years is so key to your success and to so many brand, other brands' success as well. You use the word slow and steady world. There is this notion that you need to have success overnight or you think people have success overnight because of how it's portrayed. But you really have taken this and built upon your growth year after year. And, you know, I mean, let's take it back to 2010 when like I had shared with you originally when we hopped on. I mean, you had an employee who is still on your team. Yes. Yes. Okay, we're going to talk about that in a second. Now. Yeah. Right. So you really had, rise up. <laughs> I mean, you had an employee who used to bring your samples in a cooler to my house and we used to, you know, put them out at events and then she'd come pick up the cooler. And I mean, that was 13 years ago. You know, it's not like it was yesterday. And so I, I would love for you to kind of touch upon this slow and steady, because I think that more entrepreneurs need to hear it and understand that slow and steady is really what wins. It really is. It's organic and real growth. Um, you know, I've seen a lot of companies kind of make a big splash, burn through a lot of money. It looks so sexy. It looks so exciting and it's fake. It's, it's not real success. It's not real, um, buy-in and it's a way to fail fast and that's okay too. I mean, there's a place for that there, you know, there's a place for those risk takers to kind of, um, for us, uh, for other people to kind of look at, observe and watch and see what works, what doesn't work. But, you know, I guess for us, we never got like private equity dollars. We never had a huge amount of budget. We were always under resourced, always operating under scarcity um, with limited, you know, team members and really almost bootstrapped. And I would say we still operate in that modality in that like startup modality with um, that's that's bootstrapped and that feeling of passion, like everybody, everybody works on the business. And it's really exciting to see someone like the person that you're talking about. She's now VP of operations at our company. She is part of the management team and she oversees four different facilities and all every part of the operation. So, you know, it's really exciting to kind of mentor and, and bring people up with you as you rise together. So we all rise together. Um, But yeah, I mean, slow and steady um, kind of being cautious and making sure that our proof of concept works before we, you know, make a big splash in a market with, uh, you know, maybe a new product. Uh, But I've seen a lot of companies, a lot of entrepreneurs find initial success. And it's so easy to say yes to every retailer who comes calling or every client who comes calling. Um, And then, and then, you know, 
kind of not have enough in the budget to really support the business. Um, and that's where I see so many companies stumble. And so it's important for us to get real organic growth, real, real buy-in from the marketplace, real proof of concept, invest in that, prove that it works, show that data, expand, grow, build, just keep doing that over and over and over again. And that's kind of how I've, I've operated the business. So one of the things it's, kind of ironic that we're having this conversation today because me personally and through Dear Founder, one of the the big pillars that I'm talking about now is partnerships and the importance of partnership marketing, not paid, like organic partnership marketing. And it's you're going to be hearing and seeing a lot of that from me coming up. And I want to say that because anyone who follows me intently will have heard me sharing this over the last couple of weeks by the time this airs. I talk a lot about these partnerships that I had with Bump Club that helped us to grow the business. And yours was one of them. There was no dollar. There were no dollars exchanged. We've, we never exchanged any dollars. You guys promoted our events. We promoted and sampled you and it worked. And you just said, you know, we've operated like we are under-resourced. And I point that out because while I'm sure there have been paid advertising opportunities that you've done, of course, you're a CPG, but you guys really have implemented an incredible partnership and organic marketing strategy that has been, you know, tied to sampling and trade and whatnot throughout the last, especially the last 15 years. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, it's great to partner up and leverage each other's communities for a win-win relationship. You want stuff at the finish line or at the event, you know, things to give away. We need an outlet and a platform of, you know, people like-minded community demographics, certain demographics that we're hitting. So it's great when it works. Um, Sadly, we've become a little bit too big. No one feels sorry for us and everybody wants money now. So it, it has gotten a lot more expensive to do these kinds of But that's okay. I mean, you, yeah, I mean, you've built up to this point. Exactly. We can, we can do a little bit. We have a bigger budget these days. Um, and we want to, of course, support local businesses and communities and, and whatever. But um, no, I mean, when it works, you know, there's still always opportunities to find those grassroots opportunities and sampling opportunities. I mean, that that is still something that every day we have a team now nationwide. We have nationwide teams in all the top markets that are on the ground every day in the community, giving product out, whatever. And, well, about. and I want to point out to our listeners that this is now that Julie's talking about and she got here slow and steadily. And, you know, I'm referring to 13, 14 years ago when she didn't have the budgets, but that was the opportunity. And those were the programs that were the catalysts and what she built upon to get to where she is today. So I, I think it's just so important to point that out because I'm constantly saying like, you can build a brand without a marketing budget. You just have to be really smart and strategic about it. Yeah. Well, today, you know, social media is so important. Um, TikTok, which we are still trying to wrap our brains around TikTok. But, you know, we have, you know, thousands of of, uh, ambassadors and influencers that we work with that, you know, they're looking for content and they need product. So we're sending them product. You know, we can a lot of times get um, work with ambassadors that that want to represent our brand. And it's 
little to, you know, no money. So that's really great. And a lot of times people organically just fall in love with our brand and want to talk about it. And that was what really, really gets me excited. And, you know, I think about the fact that Kiefer started by 2000 years ago and survived through word of mouth. So social media is like fire for that. You know, that's exponentially so much more viral that way than just me having a conversation with my neighbor, one other person. This is like in in minutes, you're communicating with millions of people. So that's really fascinating. And we were, I think because of maybe my youth, um, I got on social media, I got Lifeway on social media before any other brand was. We were the fourth company, the fourth brand on Twitter. We were the first on Facebook. And we still, we even had MySpace pages, our ProBugs, which is our kids' product. Um, ProBugs each have characters. So Penelope and Peter ProBug and, you know, Polly ProBug, they each had MySpace pages where we brought those characters to life. Um, And I remember Vogue magazine at some point did a write-up on us and they said our use of social media created like a cult-like status, cult-like following and avant-garde status. Um, and I really love that because it's, it's, it's so true. You know, I think, um, those, those ways that those are just other ways that we built awareness and yeah, real steady, slow and steady growth, you know, brands that come in today and they get all this private equity dollars. It's like, it's like funny money to them. They don't even, they don't value it and they burn through it so fast. Uh, but when often they go out of business. Exactly. And they're left with nothing. And and um, for us, I think every person on our team has this entrepreneurial spirit and are great stewards of the budget and of decisions that we make and, and take ownership of it. They Everybody feels like it's them, like it's theirs. Um, and, I, and so I think that contributes to like really good decision making and, and choices. Today's episode is brought to you by Hivecast, an amazing agency providing high-quality podcast production made simple and affordable. I hit the jackpot when I came across Hivecast as I pieced together services from contractors all over the web initially to help me with my podcast. Hivecast was everything that I needed all in one place. For just $500 per month, they not only produce and edit four episodes, but they also create the marketing assets. Emma, my account manager, is amazing, making sure that I'm on task and that we can schedule episodes regularly and by my deadlines. Honestly, the time saved working with Hivecast is worth at least triple what I'm paying. Their sister company, Fireside, offers other marketing services for small businesses, including social media management, Facebook and Instagram ads, search engine marketing, and so much more. Again, all at a rate palatable by a small business owner. The best part, there's no contract. You can purchase their services as needed on a monthly basis. Use the code FOUNDHER and save 50% off your first month of services. Give them a try. The decision to outsource this part of my business has surely saved me a ton in the long run, and it was the best decision I've made for my business. Let's turn and talk a little bit about your team because in addition to the person we mentioned before, there was someone on this invite that I was like, oh my God, I think that person was there when we were at Bump Club as well. And you know, you have had, uh, you you have a very dedicated team. And I would love, my question for you about your team is, why do you think they're so dedicated? What do you do? What is your secret to get them to stay? Because I think that that's a very big challenge for many business owners and founders is, is finding the right people and not just finding the right people, but 
keeping the right people. Totally. Well, I keep everyone who's super passionate. I think passion trumps everything else. Passion trumps education, experience, um, everything. When I see somebody who's passionate, I want them on my team. Um, I think that we have a culture at Lifeway, again, no pun intended. We have a culture of love, of family, of uh, community. You know, we are there for each other. Um, We've gone through a lot together over the years. Um, I think my authenticity as a leader, uh, my ability to share my vulnerabilities, um, you know, is something that people gravitate towards. Um, I'm definitely not perfect. I am an imperfect leader. Um, I have changed and evolved myself as a leader. Um, and I am, I think, you know, people appreciate my intuitive nature in my leadership style. Uh, I'm pretty blunt as well. Uh, I don't like the BS corporate BS communications. I am very like real, authentic. And I think people like that. I think people appreciate that. Um, And, you know, I think I bring forward also a lot of empathy. And I think today's industry in 2023 and beyond, the world is so broken. It's so challenging to live in and to be in the workforce. I think leaders who have that natural empathy, uh, compassion, people want to stay in those companies. Um, people want to stay in companies that are, they feel that they're not just a number, that they are part of something bigger. Um, the product itself, you know, because of the, the great health benefits and how it works and how just how, how much it's brought to people's lives. People want to be a part of that. They want to contribute to a purpose, something bigger than themselves. You know, during the recent labor shortage, we didn't have a single person leave. We did not experience that labor shortage that other brands, other companies experienced. And I think it is because of the way that we've run the business for the last 30 plus years, um, where people feel like they're this is family. So it's hard to leave family. And um, I think, you know, we take care of our people, they take care of us. And uh, I think we have just great respect for everyone who's part of the team. And, you know, we've gone from, I mean, when I came to work for my dad, there were about 12 people that we employed. And today we have over 300 through four different facilities and a staff, you know, field staff on the ground, sales team nationwide. So it's um, really remarkable. And I could not be more proud of this team and how hard we've worked, especially in the last, you know, since COVID and and before we've gone through a lot of challenges in the industry, um, in the business uh, as a whole. And, you know, we've all kind of stuck together and through COVID, through that global supply chain uh, shortage, through supply chain labor shortages, uh, we've been able to kind of keep on our surfboard regardless of the waters that we're in, whether it's major waves, rocky waters, or still waters, we've we've stayed steady and balanced and together. What What would your dad say now? 
Oh my God. He would, well, there would probably be a, a couple of swear words, like just to show uh, the level of passion. He, he would say, I can't effing believe how big you've gotten this, this thing to. Um, he would be, he knows, happy. he knows. I know. I feel him all the time. I feel like he's helping me and bringing things in front of me. And yeah. Um, you know, he would be super, super proud. He would be shocked, humbled. He'd be crying. He, he would just be so moved, um, by what we've done, what we've accomplished. Um, yeah, I, I'm sure he's gleaming, like, just in awe right now and um proud of himself he he started it you said and you said a little bit ago that you were just getting started so what's next well i am so excited um as maybe you've seen uh, cottage cheese has recently become viral and we have had a product called farmer cheese which is like blended cottage cheese uh, I would say it is like, it is blended cottage cheese, essentially. We've had farmer cheese, which in our community, it's called tvarog in, in Russian, tvarog. It's like quark and soft, unripened cheese. It's already, um, uh, the, the curds are already broken down. So it's not that strange feeling that you get from cottage cheese. And it's less sodium and all the great things. High protein, like an incredible high protein. We've been making farmer cheese for 36 years. It was one of our first products. And, but because, and, and it's, it's definitely more, uh, well-known, very well-known in the ethnic markets. Like my friends who are of Ukrainian Russian descent, they consume six to 12 containers of farmer cheese a week. So heavy users. And that is a product that hasn't really made it to mainstream, but with this recent trend of blended cottage cheese that went viral in March through TikTok, it's given us this whole new opportunity to do what we've done for kefir. We're going to do for farmer's cheese now. So we are so pumped. It's like day one again for us uh, because it's a huge opportunity to take this product that we, we are already the number one manufacturers of farmer's cheese and expand it from our ethnic markets into mass market. So I am so excited to be um, working on this again. It's just, it feels like day one and it, that that excitement, that passion, that freshness, that that startup mentality, it's, it's, we're back there again. Uh, so I'm so excited to for farmers. So definitely follow us on Lifeway Kefir because we'll be sharing all these ways that you can use farmer cheese. So many great recipes. Um, so that's exciting. And I'm so excited to expand our ProBugs line, which is how we started working together. Uh, ProBugs is our pouched product for kids. We've had limited capacity on it. Um, but Whole Foods has been our, our basically almost exclusive partner in distribution on ProBugs. We've just invested in a new machine to expand capacity, make it significantly faster, more cost efficient. And it's finally giving us an opportunity to expand ProBugs into mass market. So watch for that. And so many fun new um, opportunities to engage with new families, new children that are being born. I mean, that's the other thing. Every generation, there's been there's been multiple generations since we've Lifeways launched. And so we are always looking to communicate and raise awareness with new new families, new kids being born, um, teach them how to use kefir and work with Lifeway and, and, and create those relationships. So 
So that's really exciting. And just expanding Lifeway in general, you know, as a, as a whole, like the, the, the Kiefer space, as you said, there's still so many people that are not aware of it. So our job is really to keep on building that momentum, keep raising awareness, keep keep um, highlighting the great science and research surrounding the product, learn ourselves. Like there's so much we don't even know that we don't, we haven't discovered yet, haven't unlocked about the product and the benefits. Um, But, you know, today people are more concerned with their health, with their mental health, with their immunity. And the fact that we can manipulate these different elements of our our wellness um, through some small, just easy choices at the grocery store is very, very exciting to me. And I think exciting for everybody who's just, you know, how can I feel better in my body? You know, I think I constantly look at what does wellness mean? What what does that mean for us as a society? And it's not just the absence of disease, but it's also um, the feeling of being pain-free and thriving, feeling good in our body, feeling joy, um, feeling and this is where the mental health part comes in, you know, feeling, feeling good mentally is something that is a crisis in our country right now. And, you know, the fact that we as a company, as a brand can contribute to that conversation is, is very exciting. You know, when COVID happened, we took all of our live events and things, experiential marketing events that so often are based on being together, being in community, sharing experiences, doing a a workout, a yoga event, a marathon, a 5k, whatever it is, all of those went overnight, disappeared. We moved all of our wellness events to our Instagram live. And we did, I think, 250 live Instagram events with the top yoga instructors, meditation, sound bath, nutritionists, um, who were, you know, using our products, chefs that created, helped us create the most incredible foods while we were in lockdown, um, mental health chats with, with therapists to help us manage this. So this whole industry of like wellness, it's not one thing, one check the box thing. It's a lifelong journey of many things that we can bring into our toolbox and call upon when we, when we need them. So I think it's not just that we're a CPG brand, but we are really part of people's lives in a deeper, more meaningful way and having conversations that are more meaningful. And so that is what I'm really excited about for the future of Lifeway. So I have one more question for you. And I know you're not the founder, but you are the CEO and president of a family founded business that you've been around since day one. So you are able to answer this question. Your entrepreneurial spirit, obviously, is how you run this business. Um, But I ask everyone this question at the end, and that is what are three actionable steps that you would give someone who's just starting out? Mm. Oh, three actionable steps. Um, have a mentor or many mentors have a a lot of mentors that you can call upon to bounce ideas off to help you, um, kind of process and figure out what is intuitive for you, what is intuitive decisions for you. Um, so mentorship, um, Okay, something that somebody told me early on, make a list of everything that you do in your day. And your goal is to cross as many of those things off of your list and delegate it to somebody else and find what you uniquely are qualified to do, what only you in your organization can do. 
and do that, do that as much as possible. So that was great advice because if it wasn't for that advice, I'd probably still be ordering like the toilet paper for the business. Like, you know, really like things that micromanaging it. And that has, that has been something that I have been very conscious of uh, to, you know, empower my team, get the right people on the bus and let them take ownership of their various projects while I focus on the thing that I can uniquely do. Um, and then what else? Um, don't give up. I mean, number one, don't give up. Um, there are going to be challenging days, but that just comes with the territory. You know, use those challenges, use the haters, use the naysayers as fuel for your fire. Um, and just don't stop. Keep going. And when there are bumps in the road, use those as learning lessons. Do not think of it as failure. Failure does not exist. Everything is just a learning opportunity to take you to the next level. Foods, thank you so much for being here, for sharing your story with us and all of your knowledge and wisdom. I'm so excited to share this with our community. Thank you so much for having me. I absolutely loved hearing Julie's story and I loved our conversation. I didn't know when we first got on that it was going to take the pathway that it took and that we would be talking so much about the many, many principles that I use to build Bump Club, that I have used to build Dear Found Her and Lindsay Pinchuk Marketing and Consulting, and the many principles that Julie has used to build Lifeway. I think back to when I was first starting Bump Club and Beyond, and Lifeway was one of our very initial partners. And you know, you heard me talk about it in today's conversation, in today's episode, but the way that we partnered together is really what helped us to build our brands, both of us. And I think it's really important to point that out. Julie shared so much knowledge and wisdom. She has had to really learn so much since she took over in 2002 about running a business. And there were some naysayers, as you heard her say today. But there were so many takeaways from this conversation with Julie. I want to share my top six actually today. So get out your pen and paper. You're going to want to write these down. And as always, please make sure that you join our email newsletter. The link is in the show notes because you will get tips and tricks on growing your business sent straight to your inbox. So for now, today's takeaways. Number one, use partnerships that make sense to build your business. Julie used communities like expectant moms, athletes, etc., to get the word out about Lifeway Keeper. Number two, capitalize on word of mouth marketing to build your brand. Number three, slow and steady wins. That's one that you hear me say all the time, and I'm so grateful that Julie solidified that today. Number four, passion trumps everything when it comes to hiring a team. When you see someone who's passionate, you want to take them on, you want to hire them, and you want to keep them. Number five, make a list of everything that you do in your day. And your goal is to cross as many of those things off your list and to delegate it to somebody else and to find what you uniquely are qualified to do, what only you and your organization can do, and do that. Do as much of that as possible. And number six, there are going to be challenging days, but that just comes with the territory. Use those challenges, use the haters, use the naysayers as fuel for your fire, and just don't stop. Keep going. Julie Smolanski, thank you so much for gracing us with your presence under your founder. And thank you to everyone who tuned in to listen to this magnificent story. 
We have so much more coming your way next week. We will have a Found Her Files episode on Tuesday and of course, another incredible interview with an incredible founder on Thursday. Thank you so much for listening and thank you for being here.